be a wordsmith is defined as a person who writes, an author, a journalist, a person who commits their thoughts to paper. But I believe it is so much more. The ability to craft a story, to change lives, to transport the ordinary life to an extraordinary place, to put words on paper and awaken the imagination in ways the reader never dreamed possible. Yes, to have the ability to see what isn't there and make you see it too. To awaken the senses in new and amazing ways. To feel a cool breeze on a hot summer day on your cheeks. To smell wildflowers as they bloom. To taste a delicacy on a foreign soil. To feel like you've never felt before. Touching places long forgotten. Connecting with your souls in new ways. That's what writers do. It's my pleasure to host Speaking of Writing, a new podcast. Speaking of Writing is open for authors from all over the world. This gives us an opportunity to broaden our experiences, to hear actual writers' voices, hear what inspires them, experience their trials and struggles, and realize that we all have a story and they are all worth telling. I hope you enjoy this. Good morning, this is Rose Cushing, and I am the host of Speaking of Writing, a literary podcast. Our guest today is Debbie Jordan, and she has a new book out called Grief's Deception. So welcome to the show, Debbie. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. I'm really excited to talk to you because grief is a very difficult subject that people find very hard to talk about. So before we get into your book, tell me a little bit about you. Well, um, I am originally from North Carolina. My husband and I were actually born and raised in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, but we left when we were 18, and he went to college, and I got married at a young age, and I followed him to college. And from there, he went into the Air Force, and we spent 22 years of great life in the Air Force, traveling the country, and our best assignment ever was three years in beautiful Italy. And um, the majority of our life, we've always been involved in church and in ministry. And we used to call ourselves missionaries at government expense when we were in the military. And I've always loved writing and have wanted to write. And so back to that in a minute. But we are blessed to have um, three children. And two are grown. And one is a forever six-year-old in heaven. And that's what the book was, what I based the book on. And uh, we have, but the best part is that we have seven grandchildren um, from our, our two, two grown children. And we live the majority of what my husband retired from the Air Force. We spent uh, almost 18 years in California and um, got to see our grandkids in California grow up. And our daughter was living here in North Carolina. And our son said, you know, my kids have got to have you as grandparents and lots and lots of memories. Now it's my sister's turn to have uh, her kids get to know you guys. And so back in 2020, we sold our house in California and started the house looking process here in North Carolina. And um, we ended up in Kinley, friendly Kinley of all places. Oh, how cool. Um, yeah, and so it has been really good to be uh, be back home, be back on the east, north on the east coast. It's been taking quite a uh, adjustment, getting used to the heat and humidity, but 
but we do like uh, being back in this part of the country. Well, welcome home. We're glad to have you back. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. So, tell me a little bit about your book. Okay, well, the book, as I said, is, our son died in 1985 from leukemia, and he was six years old. And I think all the writers can relate that you have a book inside of you that you know you need and you must write, and you, it's just, you just keep putting it off, keep putting it off. And in my case, it was because I didn't want to have to face the pain again. Right. And um, probably, I think it was a couple of years, two summers ago, actually, and we had been invited to speak at a church in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and... Um, the pastors had told us that there was a, a, a young couple there who had just, it was in August, who had just lost their three-year-old in a July 4th swim party to drown. Mm. And said, can you please just meet with them? And it was so, um, it, was, it was just so, so I can't think of the word I wanted to use, but it was just, I knew it was supposed to be. Right. And even though they were uh, by, they were uh, Spanish-speaking, and we do not know Spanish very well, we can understand it a little bit, but not communicate it, we ended up having a translator meet with us who translated what we talked about, what we were talking. And as I turned to the mom, and I mean, it had been like less than three weeks since, uh, since her daughter had died, had drowned. And so I asked the mom questions that, that, I, that I remember feeling and asking and wondering, and she responded, yes, every one of those. So on our way back home from that trip, I just turned to my husband, I said, now's the time to write the book. If I can still relate to people who are grieving, remembering what it was like for me, how, how, can, we, how can I help others walk through this process? Because not too many people understand, and like you said, um, it, it's not really talked about, and, and so that was my whole goal of writing the book. And I took the first weekend <laughs> in December. My husband was away, and I just thought I swept myself away that whole weekend and started writing, and, I, and the pain was there. <laughs> Based the pain, and went for it. But um, I, that's what from the views that we were getting from people who were reading the book. It has been exactly what they needed, and in fact, my hope had been that it would get into the hands of the people who need it the most, and people are reading the book and then getting copies for other people that they want to give us gifts. So that, that, that's been very, very humbling. It's been very humbling. What a beautiful experience, and I'm sure that, you know, you, you, when that happens, um, my, my granddaughter was drowned at, at the age of two, and it's... Um, you feel so alone, you know, and to know that other people experience this, they live through this, they never forget the lost one, but they do get past I it. And I, I think that's just a wonderful, wonderful service that you're giving to people from your heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it comes naturally, and so that's one thing about grief is you don't have to, and that's one of the things I bring out in one of the chapters in the book is. Um, well, actually, what it is is 12 lies, and the 12 lies of grief, and that's the whole idea, grief deception, because grief is very deceiving, mm -hmm. and it really lies to you. And we've also been able to walk alongside people who originally it was parents who have lost children, but as if you've gone through grief and you've gone through a deep loss, you, can, you, you go from a, a, a sense of sympathy 
matter what the loss, whether it be someone who's lost a spouse or a child or a pet or a job or their health or their marriage, a loss is loss. And the grief process is you're going to have to grieve the loss in order to heal and to move forward. And so, um, so each of the 12, and I thought it was going to be eight lives, and ended up being 12. And then I added a bonus chapter, and chapter the 13th was, because so many people have said, well, what, well, I don't know how to talk to somebody who's just lost someone or who's walking through a deep loss. And so I've given um, 10, 10 ways that you can effectively walk with someone as they go through their grief journey. It sounds like an absolutely beautiful book. Now, tell me, um, where can people buy it? Well, I, I have been trained to say that anywhere that books are sold and any online retail tell bookseller. Okay. okay. <laughs> so as a book author, I think you understand what I'm talking about. I do. I do know that, you know, with Amazon, there's Barnes and & Nobles and any of the other uh, is, and if it's not in the Barnes & Noble, you can just go and request it. Wherever books are sold, just request this is the book I'm looking for, and they're able to order it for you. I had heard a, a new line recently about that, and it said you should say wherever good books are sold. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that one. So wherever good books are sold, yes, yes. So tell me a little bit about your writing process. You said you kind of closed yourself up and just sat down and, and got it out. What was your biggest obstacle other than, you know, your your sadness to getting it published? Well, think about we had just relocated and, um, and, and trying to get settled, and I am a note taker. I have three notebooks on different topics and things like that, and most people do it digitally, but I'm an old school. I like notebooks, but when a thought comes to me, I grab what's closest. And so trying to find all of my all of my notes I've been taking over the years and putting them together. Originally, because I'm a journaler, and I had journaled through this whole, whole our son's diagnosis and the grief process, everything, I thought I was going to be doing something with my journal. But as I started writing, it was like, no, I think I need to write about this lie and then this lie. And then, then like I said, I started out with eight and ended up with 13. Right. And, um, and, and so what... What I did, and in, in trying to get, not knowing what I, what in the world I was doing, and um, I did go with a publishing company, and they wanted as much help as I wish I had had, but um, but I ended up just getting, you know, as I started writing, it started to form, and it was one friend, who, an author friend, said, have a format, and use that same format in every in every chapter. And so that's what I ended up doing. The, the book is, the chapters are short because people who are grieving do not have much of an attention span. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted them to, each chapter, just read like one chapter at a time, and then when they're ready, come pick it up and, and read the next chapter. Or if they would look in the table of contents and say, oh, yeah, I deal with this lie right now, so I'm going to go deal with this one. And so each, the format was that the lie, what the lie was, Exposing the lie, then I share, share personal examples or examples from other people I've known uh, and how they dealt with this lie. And then, and then I gave them the truth. Then I gave them how to walk out uh, the truth to expose this lie in their own lives. And then it ended with a short prayer. So every every chapter has the same format, and um, 
so it, it my process was I am I I like to be alone and my husband is very keeps interrupting me and that was my biggest obstacle to be honestly honest that was my biggest obstacle he just doesn't understand I think he finally got it after a year but I ended up having to shut the door and he would learn okay that door shut. And first he'd be so lost, but these are interrupting you. <laughs> and I just finally just said, honey, because he, he's one of those that when he thinks there's something, he wants to tell me right away because he thinks he'll forget it. I said, you can either jot it down, you can either do a voice memo or, or something, but please do not interrupt me. So I, I learned to, to block the time off our mutual calendar and say, okay, I'm writing this day from this time to this time. And so he got, he began to, I think I trained him. And so he knows that when the office door is shut, that I'm writing. And, um, and so he's, he's getting better about that. And to be, and to be fair, he has not been able to read the book because he knew it would be too painful. And so he's just not been able to read it. So I'm like, well, I, but when he, he's a lot in the books that I would always make sure that I would go, I want you to read this portion. I'm putting in the book to make sure that you're going to be okay with this. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's approved all of that, but he still has not been able to read the book. <laughs> I can understand yeah. that. Men, yeah. men grieve a little differently sometimes. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's one of my chapters is uh, I must be strong, and as a strong person, that's one of the lies. Uh, things to be a strong person in every every family you just says, well, I've got to take care of the rest so I can't let them see how I'm grieving. And so most of the time it is the men. It is the men. Mm-hmm. It is. So, is this your first book? Okay, that's a double double uh, question. Yes, <laughs> Okay. I, I used to be a marriage blogger, and someone approached me and said, I think you need to write a book on um, the topic that you're writing about on marriage. Why don't you do the one on sex? Spiritual sex. Uh-huh. Said, okay. And so I was so, and he was going to do it. So I was totally expecting him to be my coach and my editor and all of the above. He was basically just publishing. And so the book got released, and I, I didn't even get to see the final copy before it was going to print. And when I got it, I was just so embarrassed. And so, ah, so this book compared to that one is um, like, like I told someone the other day. That first book is like a lump of coal, and this book, to me, is a diamond. <laughs> right. So, but, but, but now that I know better, I'm going to be uh, revising that book and doing it doing it better. Release, it, it's out of print, and re-releasing that, and maybe even adding some more material to it. But um, but my, my teenage grandkids have asked me, we, need, we want, want to get that book you wrote on sex for to give to our friends that they'll be getting married in the future. And I go, well, I have to revise it because it's not something you really want to get to a movie with, but whatever. Right. So, so it is my grandchildren who, who said, we know you wrote a book on sex, Randy, so we want, and you know it's a good one, but we want to we want to have it to give to our friends in the future. So I thought that was pretty special. It was pretty special. That is very special, you know, and you want your grandkids to have your books. Um even if they never read them, it's a nice keepsake. So I, I, I have seven great-grandchildren, so I, I understand. Wow. Yeah, my, my kids, we had uh, four kids, and, and all of them get pregnant at the same time. So the great-great-grandchildren and the grandchildren multiplied quickly. 
greatest joy than being a grandparent. I, I, that's what I've discovered anyway. I certainly agree with you. I, I, I certainly do. So, you you said that you went with a publisher for this mm -hmm. book? Yes, it was a self-publishing, but, um, but it, yeah, I did, because I didn't know what to do. But like I said, I had reached out to my uh, author friend, and she had uh, she reached out to her author friend, and she recommended, she said, I don't know too much about this company. It was, uh, it was a reputable, and... Um, and I've had too many friends who've gone to the publishing route and got, got lost thousands and thousands of dollars with nothing in return. Right. And so I was, everybody has a horror story, I'm sure. But I was just disappointed in um, the politics and everything. Yeah. So I felt like I was taking advantage of and not, not being a brand new green writer, not given the direction and guidance that I could have used. Right, and so I'm not going to give the name of the company because I, I did meet some very wonderful people in the company, but along the way it was like, man. So, um, so I, 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 I since have, have connected with someone else, and I'm really, and my next project is to write a workbook to go with this book because so many people said this is a, a great group study to do with churches or uh, organizations like Group Share or Compassionate Friends or whatever. So mm -hmm. I'm writing, um, I'm almost finished with the rough, rough, rough draft of that. As we all know, you just write. And uh, I've gotten better as these chapters gone along. Went back to look at the first two chapters. I'm like, ah, that's terrible. So someone uh, told me, she said, don't go back and edit until you're completely done writing and then go back and start editing. I said, she said, because you'll get lost in the process and you won't. So that was good wisdom. I thought it was good wisdom. I think it is as well. The hybrid publishing companies that are kind of self-publishing, kind of a publisher, there's a lot of them out there that are not good companies, so it is really important for every author to, to really do their due diligence with that. Yes, 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 absolutely. I, I've absolutely. seen a lot of, of people that, you know, thought that the publisher was going to help them, and they really didn't. They kind of just print your book, put a parachute on you, shove you out the door, and good luck. <laughs> yeah. So, good That's, good thinking on I your was able to express, Yeah, I was able to express my opinion about that feedback and just said that I really think it was very, this is what I needed, and I was disappointed with the editor I had. And, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I had a lot of people reading the the. Um, the final manuscript before it went to the formatting, and friends who were like, and I didn't know that I had one friend who was a former copy editor for a newspaper, he caught so many mistakes, and I'm like, I paid the editor to do this, and you're doing this for free, so I think I'm going to keep you as my friend. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, I mean, that was just so disheartening to me, and it's like, oh, man, so I didn't really get everything I had paid for, but I got a great cover design and a very... And the formatting was excellent. So those two things are worth it. Very good. Very good. Well, yeah. before I let you go, tell me what kind of advice that you would give to writers out there as to how to hang in there and get the projects done and, and to not lose heart. I think from my personal experience, it's just basic. You know, if it's a painful, I mean, everything is painful. <laughs> and I think the most... Um, the most difficult thing for me is realizing once the book was about to be actually published, it hit me, oh my goodness, I'm, this is me, it's raw and it's real, and I just felt very vulnerable. 
But if you can just look past yourself and know that the message that you're trying to get across, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, that the message that you're trying to portray and get across into the hands of other readers, that that it, that's worth it. It's, it's just bringing the, the benefits to, to the readers and to those who are going to hear the message and read the message that it's going to most benefit. And in my case, that has been, like I said, it's just been very rewarding and humbling to see um, the response that I've gotten from, from those who've read it and passed it on to others. And I even even um, in, in, in writing, and, you know, you're going to have more expectations, but then as you start writing, it takes a totally different direction. Mm-hmm. Go with your instinct because that's exactly what what probably is needed and what's going to uh, flow better with your voice. But that's a new, another thing with a um, new author is trying to find your voice. And uh, my my whole goal for writing the book, and at the end of the last words, I said, I just, as I wrote the book, I just imagined that you're we're sitting at my kitchen table and we're sharing a cup of coffee or tea and we're talking one-on-one. And I could just see as I'm sharing my story that you are understanding and receiving what I walked through in my experience, and this is what I've heard from so many people who read that. I just felt like he was sitting across from me in my living room talking to me, and that's exactly how I wanted to betray it. I was very thankful that it came across that way. So uh, I hope that, that, that answers that question. It, it does very well. Um, finding your voice is so important and staying true to yourself. And so um, remind us one more time where they can buy their, your book. Okay, any place good books are sold. <laughs> okay. And do you have it in local bookstores anywhere? I haven't been there yet, but I know that I'm going to be speaking um, in the Kindle Library. We're planning tomorrow, I'm meeting with her, and we're planning uh, an event to present to the community. Very um, good. But not yet. I've not had a chance to do that. Like I said, I'm green, and I'm learning as I go, and it's kind of overwhelming. But I'm learning as I go, and so I will, uh, I'm, I will as I, I'm getting used to my new community as well, we'll, I'll find some places to go. So readers can reach me because I've actually um, put together a printable that I'd like to offer to the listeners if they are interested. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's ways to show up and shut up when you don't know what to do for those who are, who are walking through loss. Very so nice. They can, they can reach out to me at, uh, the website is soon going to be up, and it's actually in the back of the book. But the best way to reach me right now is DebbieJordan828 at gmail.com. And if anybody wants that principle, they can reach out to me there, and I will make sure that I send it on to them. Very nice. Very nice, Debbie. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show today, and I've enjoyed talking with you, and I think your book is a wonderful tool that all of us sooner or later will need. Yeah, unfortunately, for sure, for sure, for sure. And to my listeners out there, as always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Everybody has a story. Just let your mind drift away and find yours. I know it's out there. What are you waiting for?